yet again. Another episode, weekly installment of Career Podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Dude, I can't wait till we have like guests where we can have an intro where we're like, welcome to the show. You know what I mean? It's going to be, it's going to be a cool time. Yeah. Who's like one interesting person right now, like just in the world that you'd be interested in talking to? Interesting person in the world. Um, who would you want to like have a, have dinner with? Who would you want to sit down and have dinner with right now? You could pick one person. Joe Biden. Joe Biden, and then I could figure out that he can't even form sentences anymore, and I'll be like, "Huh, this is sus." No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say Joe Biden would be a surprising answer. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd be disappointed. A, that, that was, was a joke. <laughs> I would not pick him. I just think it'd be funny because you'd be like. Man, this motherfucker holding on like he's yeah. he's chugging along barely right now. by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> yeah, I do think it would be interesting though. Talking to the president in general is interesting. It would be. Um, no, that was just for the memes. Um, <laughs> tr- like to interview? Oh, you said to have a dinner with? No, just to talk to. Just um, I don't know. Um, that's tough. There's no one really that jumps out at me. Do you have someone in mind? No, I, I mean like not specifically. I think someone really interesting to talk to that's alive right now is this guy named Alex Filipenko. I've definitely talked to him. Um, I've talked about him on the podcast yeah. like a couple episodes ago. Astrophysicist, I believe, at UC Berkeley. Um, he's all over the Neil deGrasse Tyson episodes because he's really charismatic. He's a really cool uh, professor type character. I would really like to talk to him. And then, um, of course, I think I would really, really like to meet Cho. I think sitting with David Cho for it'd be fun a dinner i think it would be cool just like, talking i think him. that's fun that's yeah. a good conversation to have yeah. yeah um i'd probably pick this guy dr k i've been watching he's like a twitch streamer youtuber guy yeah he's uh i got 15 more minutes in the oh, other day nice nice <laughs> uh, he's talking about a video of his but um yeah he's a harvard professor of psychology um but he has a bit more of an eastern medicine background so it's a really cool blend of eastern and western medicine in psychology in that field um so he covers he has a charity it's called like it's like mental health for gamers or something like that um but he's a pretty cool guy it seems really insightful it seems essentially like the number one therapist in the world so i think that'd be the most interesting yeah that would be cool i think that would be fascinating but I, yeah i'm excited for the day when we can actually invite these people on talk to them that'll be cool i think uh a lot of that do you like Nargwar? I think he would be a fun person to talk to as well. Yeah, he doesn't really do like sit downs too much. He does seem really fun. It's just like yeah. Nardwar is a character. It's not really him. Super. I mean, it's him, but you know what I mean. Like on screen, it's a little different. So like the interview you're getting is not going to be the same. He has a good TED talk though. Great TED talk, and yeah. that's what it, it stood out to me because I really started thinking about how. For those of you who don't know, Nardwar does music interviews, and sometimes other celebrities too. He does other artists. He's an interviewer. Yeah, he's just, just an, mostly music, but yeah, mostly rappers too. He's just uh, right nowadays because they're the most popular. But he's been doing it since like the '80s or something, dude. Gotcha. So he's got it all. He's got everyone pretty much. Gotcha. But his TED talk is really interesting because basically he talks about how his entire career, his entire interview career, even when he was a nobody, mm-hmm. was sparked by simply asking. Like just yep. asking to meet with these people. Hey, you're on tour and I think you're in Vancouver. Yep. Yeah. It's like, you're in Vancouver for this tour. I know you are. Do you have eight minutes to sit down and talk to me? I'll come to your hotel and we can do the interview there. Yep. Genius. It's super easy. It gives them a bunch of gifts and then you got that reputation. Everyone wants to like, 
most artists or famous people, I feel like probably dread interviews, but yeah. everyone is hyped for the Nardwar interview. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my God. What is he going to know about me? Because he, he, he finds out weird stuff. He probably contacts family and close friends. Yeah, he, and... t- he, gets t- he contacts their manager uh-huh. is how he does it. And then they tell him a bunch of these inside fun things to use. And yeah. they're like, whoa. And he's like, I'm Nardwar. You're, of course I know this. Or you're Travis Scott. Of course we know this about you. He's a great interviewer, no, yeah. but it's a big, yeah, you just got to try. Like, yeah. You just got to do it. I think that's a big thing that people are just scared to like pull the trigger there or they're worried about being embarrassed or something, but like... Also reaching out. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people, even in the professional world, when I was doing internships and stuff a couple years ago of various sorts in various different environments, people actually... Because I've never struggled with thinking about my communication too much, and that includes emails and stuff, and I actually started to realize that... From personal experience, I'm not generalizing here, but a lot of people actually struggle formulating an email like that they think sounds good and they'll spend a lot of time on it and oh, rereading yeah. it and just like going back and forth and I, I I've never really never had email anxiety? No. no I have it every day. Email anxiety. I hate emails, bro. <laughs> you hate emails? Well, I'm much better with it now, but for a long time I got super bad email, text, anxiety, stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. also why I never really use social media. Mm-hmm. It's essentially the idea that you are posting something that you clearly could have, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean you did or did not, but you could have taken a lot of time to construct perfectly. Mm-hmm. So people are going to criticize it on that level. Yeah. So if you post or send anything that's not perfect, people are going to be like, oh, you're stupid or mm-hmm. whatever. Like That's the thought process, not actually, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So that's why I would hate those things. I would prefer something more live interaction. Like, I'm okay with sending a Snapchat. Yeah. Because you know that has to just be one take. Yeah. I couldn't go back and edit it and chop it up and make it look nice, right? Mm-hmm. It's more rugged. It's more real. And because of the system in play, it, like, mm-hmm. allows for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, stuff like email and shit like that. Like, it's super... You're just like, oh, fuck, I have to have the right grammar. Does this sound good? Does that yeah. sound good? Nowadays, now I have to do it so much that I just got over it. Yeah. But, yeah, it still sucks. If it's for something important, I take my time on it, which yeah. I think you should um because it's something important but it just sucks that process like it's really annoying of being like oh i have to spend a bunch of time on this silly email and they probably won't even care or whatever it is you know yeah i can imagine and i think that holds i think that might hold some people back from Mm -hmm. reaching out to a famous person that they might want to talk to or someone know anyone that they want to do something with and meet for coffee but randy posh always said the same thing in his last lecture the book, the last lecture, and then all the interviews that he had surrounding those two things. The, yeah. He was the Carnegie Mellon professor that died of uh, pancreatic cancer, I believe it was. Uh, he had like stage four or five, like yeah. terminal when he got diagnosed. Um, great book, the last lecture. But he always said reaching out, simply asking somebody for coffee, 15 minutes of their time, just, you know. And I think that's what emails are actually more effective for, and I think that's why I never worried about it because like how you said you prefer mm-hmm. – actually sitting down with somebody and yeah. meeting them and talking about something. That's what I've always used email for more. So, hi, I hope your Monday's going well. Do you have time for a video meeting or a video totally. conference at 4 PM today? And that's like pretty much it. But even that would take me back then at least like 15, 20 minutes yeah. to like really flesh out. Gotcha. Like, do I say like, Oh, is hang out too casual? Should yeah. I say meet? Should I give them the spot already? Yeah. Is that too forward? Should I tell them the time I'm free? Yeah. Or just tell them a time. Uh, you know, like all these little things, like what is the courtesy? What is the manners here? Mm-hmm. You know, I think some people, I think a lot of it's just an anxiety thing. I think other people 
uh, have like at least grew up with a lot of like manners and politeness, and so they want to, especially if someone they respect, yeah, they want to do it the right way. Transferring that to the digital world, yeah, transferring that it's, to it's not easy. I don't think because like communication, it's so much harder to communicate with just words. So you have to be very clear, like. Mm-hmm. Where are they gonna get this sarcastic joke, or is it gonna flop and it's just gonna be weird, you know? Yeah. So like that's why anything like that I used to just avoid because it would just worry me too much. Mm-hmm. And then I also realized like I don't really care too much what they, people think about it. So then why even put the effort into doing it in the first place? When at least it's like personal stuff, mm-hmm. like social media shit like that. I'm like, well, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And I don't really care what they think, and it bothers me. I just won't do it. Got you. But with work stuff or, you know, reaching out or meeting someone. I don't think it has to even be famous. I mean, I feel that way about people I know personally, you know, even. Like, gotcha. Someone I haven't seen in a while. Like, hey, how you doing? Like, that is so hard. Mm-hmm. I had a friend just do that today. Someone I hadn't talked to in like six months hit me up. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. I love that. And I bet someone else would too. But I have such a hard time yeah. doing it. So I don't. And then I feel bad. And it's like, oh, man. It's cyclical. See, I'm more just like... Uh, I, I hate sounding like I'm bad at like texting or responding or reaching with people because I feel like that's such a general cop out. But yeah, yeah. other but like I'm bad to a next level and it's it's genuinely not intentional. I just I, I go for periods of time. Like there will be sometimes where during a day I'm on my phone for two hours. So if you text uh-huh. or call me during that two hour span, I'll answer immediately. I'll pick up right away, I'll respond to the text if I'm sitting there on my phone. Mm-hmm. But then there will be large portions of the day. When maybe I'll be on my phone for five minutes and I just want to be on to check Twitter real quick yeah, and I'll yeah. see that I have messages and things. I'll be like, oh, I'll respond to those later and then just never respond. And then I don't know. I'm someone who gets so caught up in my own day to day life, like from task to task, because I think that's why scheduling is important for someone like me, because for my whole life I've been living. <laughs> it's almost like the term living paycheck to paycheck, but instead I'm living task to task. Like I'm living as as tasks yeah. come up and, and that's scary. I, I, I uh I prioritize them based on the uh, immediacy in which they need to get done. <laughs> God, that gave me anxiety. Jesus. But it, I, I know I, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's called procrastination as yes, well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because the, you, an A one procrastination. Yeah, so that the only thing you can do is the thing that's present. You know. Yeah. But the the issue I feel like with that is like a lot of things. I hate it too. I'd rather do a bunch of like short goals. Uh-huh. It's quicker. It's easier. It feels better. But a lot of things you got to do are like long-term projects. Like some things like, yeah. you know, you're not going to be done, you know, for three years. But yeah. You have to still work like yeah. it's due every day. That makes it hard. Yeah. And then in the realm of communication, it's like mm. getting caught up task to task like that. There will be extended periods of time in which I'm not on my phone because yeah. the immediacy of a task has become prevalent and I need to get that shit done like yeah. immediately. And, uh, it causes me to forget then about either someone had called me or texted me or maybe just like I haven't spoken to that person in years or maybe not years, more like months, but like sure. I haven't spoken to them in months. And then when I think about it, I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. But then it obviously continues because it's just like uh, – and that's why saying like, oh, I'm just such a bad texter. It sounds like so it's cliche. A it's, a, it's definitely so- a cop-out, but it's just – Let's it's break weird. It down. It's, how I, it's, it's how I operate. So, like, why, when you do get a chance, do you still text them or then you just let them Yeah, oh, when I remember, if I remember and I'm sitting on my ass on the couch, I'll uh, be like, oh, fuck, yeah. And then I'll sit there and I'll be invested yeah. in my phone for the next half hour or however long it is. Yeah. I don't think, I feel like we're getting to the age, at least I feel personally, that, like, I don't really care about the 
immediacy of a text or response anymore. I'm at the point where like people have lives, people have jobs. If I text mm-hmm. someone and they don't respond to the end of the day, like I'm not offended. Same. You know, especially with me, like I know how much anxiety or stress or energy I'd have to put into something like that sometimes mm-hmm. that I'm not always in the mood. Yeah. You know, like I got a text early this morning and I was working. I was tired. Mm-hmm. I was like, I could respond to this right now. Yeah. But like I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. This is going to take so much out of me. I'll just handle it later, yeah. which is maybe not the best way to do it. But if that's the situation you're put in, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I don't get mad at someone. If they take a while. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. You I know? think I, I, I try and eventually respond. And I think there are a lot of people that I'd like to talk to more. Same. Um, so much same. I think, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. You it's know? just for, there's a lot of different reasons. For me, it's the anxiety of it. And also being like, if I reach out or want to do something, can I actually fulfill it? Mm. Right? Like I'm pretty busy as is. Am I going to book my schedule with more stuff? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, so maybe I will have some free time and I will reach out to someone, but it's not that easy. Like, you kind of have to make plans and stuff like that, you know? And it's so different when it's hanging out versus a professional or project-based inquiry with someone. Like, how I was saying, I don't know, because everyone has busy lives, right? But I was saying, I started that whole thing by saying you need to reach out more to kind of get things happening, to actually meet people. Can I get 15 minutes of your day? Sure. Maybe you could also apply that same logic to your friends, where you can be realistic about the amount of time that you could spend with them. Hey. I really want to see you. Maybe we're in the same area. Let's grab a 30-minute coffee. That's my window today. I would love to just catch up real quick, see how you're doing, and then... Yeah. And I've, de- I've definitely done that sometimes. Yeah. It's just I have a hard time being the first one to, person to reach out. When someone does, I love it, and I try to reciprocate. But mm-hmm. yeah, for the most part, I've never like... I've probably what would be perceived as like dodging something like that, but I've never like almost intentionally wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just me not being... I don't know. There's a lot of parts of it, but it's like not being confident to do it or maybe don't have the time or just Mm -hmm. like this is going to be so much more that I can't do right now. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I try to keep my things on my plate, you know, minimal so I can be as productive and stuff as I want. That's why when it comes to work stuff, I don't have a problem with that. It's only actually with outside of work stuff that I have. uh, I feel like I have less time. Same. Yeah. Well, I just mean like... But I know for me, not for you, definitely not for you because you're on top of your shit time-wise most of the days. But for me, it's also the outside of work. Like prioritizing work-related things where it's like my financial stability depends on the decision-making I make around this thing. Mm -hmm. That's easy to prioritize. It's the the outside of work thing when there's no metaphorical gun to my head. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's no procrastination deadline hitting you in the face. Yeah. But that's where real work actually comes from is these like long term things. Mm -hmm. Like like you're saying, if you work that way, it's literally living paycheck to paycheck. That's like the style of living, Mm -hmm. you know. So if you want to live that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. But like realistically, like you should be looking much more long term, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's harder to get that motivation. I feel like Mm -hmm. looking like that far ahead because you don't get anything. Yeah. If you're working for something that won't give you a single dollar for three years, it's a lot harder to be motivated. Yeah. But like those are the things that are worth more in the long run. Also working towards things like maintaining relationships, adding Mm -hmm. time throughout your day to that, I think is also worth the investment of time, whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. If you feel it's worth it. Yeah. Like, like planning that out. Yeah. But I think you just got to be realistic about your time. Like right now, like I couldn't, like, if I had a girlfriend right now, I would just have, like, no time. I would feel bad because I yeah. wouldn't be able to give her that time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But I, so I, I think like, with that, in, in that social aspect, you could 
maybe be on a level of communication where you, again, like mm -hmm. the allotments of time, where you're just realistic about yeah. the time that you have, the other person, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, a If you're clear about it. Yeah. Like, but it just, sometimes it feels weird where it's like, if it's your girlfriend or your significant mm -hmm. other or whatever. And you have to sit down and tell them, I don't have time for I, you. I got an hour a week. Sorry. It's like, but you're going to play video games all day with your friends? I'm like, you know, yeah. well, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm at a point in my life where yeah. I want to give them that much, a lot of time. Yeah. But I can't, so I wouldn't want to do that to someone. If someone comes along and they're like, yeah, this is a perfect situation where we're just dating for like two hours out of the day. Yeah or you know, a week then it's like okay cool i guess but that's like a different thing mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so see for me i prefer genuinely if i'm being honest like when i think about it i prefer i prefer being in a relationship but i prefer the type of relationship where i don't see my significant other every day like yeah. I, I genuinely like i think that's at least for me at this point in my life that's like a healthy thing like maybe very very true three and a half days a week with the significant other three and a half days a week to myself to my own devices whatever that may yeah. be and then that's not including work time whenever work the productivity time is not alone time or totally. social time in general you know but finding that balance can also be hard because then of course there are some periods of time where Maybe your friends are doing a lot of cool shit in succession and you're like, sorry, I want to be, you know, with them mm -hmm. for this extended period of time or work. Maybe like I just said, is, is taking up too much time or your projects outside of work. Yeah. And then that three and a half days, that's appropriate time to spend with this. That's a lot of other time. Dwindles. It's yeah. A lot three and of a half days time. is a lot of fucking time. I don't have that time right per now. Week. I don't either. Like it, it's just another, you know, thing to juggle kind yeah. of. And like. The, the issue I find with that one, and I think it applies to friendships or any relationship you have, is that they get the negative repercussion of that. Mm -hmm. You establish, I can give you this, mm -hmm. and then if you can't fulfill that, then I feel bad, right? You don't want to short, you don't want to cat, like, on, yeah. your, on your word. You yeah, don't want to totally. be shortcoming with the things that you're saying. Or someone's giving you so much more, and you're not reciprocating, like, yeah. that's just fucked up. It is. Um, it is. It's super fucked know? up, and it happens all the time. Happens all the time. And I think now we get that, like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't just, like, live with someone right away or spend all day every day playing house is only fun for so long yeah at least at the age of i think we're finally we're gonna, like i feel like in college it's very common <laughs> it is it's but like, it's like dangerous it's like oh, why it's, would you do it in college when, when i think of do looking that? back now it's like why did everyone do that that's like literally the you, dumbest thing it's so stupid but it's because like you're finally adults you're figuring it out you're making mistakes like you're gonna learn that yeah. like oh yeah there's a reason why like it's a big deal to ask someone to move in with them even yeah. if they've been dating for like three years like if yeah. you see like people will be dating for years and that's like do you want to move in with me it's like oh shit that's huge you know like that's because you big get deal. you're sacrificing your own space you're you are then yeah. your isolation zone is gone that's yeah. why i feel like a lot of people have like offices or studies in their house mm -hmm. it's just like a room designated to be in a lone space yeah. <laughs> i used to do that i i lived in a small place yeah with a significant other and we'd have to have we would almost schedule in like solo time like yeah. okay i get the room for an hour. Yeah. Like, I just get to do my shit. But, like, if you do live with someone, you have to set up things like that to make it work, realistically. Or one of the most genius film lines of all time <laughs> is Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction when she's at the dinner table with John Travolta, Rabbit Jack or Jack Slims or whatever. I think Rabbit Jack Rabbit Slims. Jack Rabbit Slim. They're sitting at the table, and she goes don't you hate that? And he's like, what? And she's like, the awkward silence, how we have to feel like we have to do <laughs> bullshit small talk all day. And then she says, 
You know what makes someone truly, like a true sign that you're truly comfortable with someone? is when you can both shut the fuck up for five minutes totally. and be comfortable with each other in silence and not feel the need to say a word. Yeah. If you can achieve that with somebody where you can be in the same room, completely zoned in on your own shit, almost like you're alone, yeah. and the other person won't take it as like, why aren't they talking mm-hmm. to me? Why, we're in the same room. Oh, if that. we're not talking the whole time, does that mean like they don't want to be around me right now or anything. It's like, no, I need that alone time. But if you can withstand being around <laughs> we me can both have alone and time. not talking yeah. for two hours or maybe talking just like slightly in between if something, yeah. act, if like a real thought actually Everyone comes knows up. what we're talking about, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I was able to do that for sure, actually, a lot, yeah. which is really cool. It's just like, oh, we're just both on our computers at the same time mm-hmm. in the same room. Like, not a big deal. Yeah, that's the goal, essentially. Because then you, you get to still be productive and do your thing. But it that's that those levels are very uh I don't I almost want to say like domestic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's like deep in the game. Yeah. And you you're right, you want to achieve that, but you don't want to have to get there till late. Yeah. Cause you should be building up where you're so excited that you do want to talk and spend all the time yeah, you have with yeah, that yeah. person. If you get there too fast, you're like, I'm already bored. Dude, it, <laughs> yeah, like the uh it's like taking too much of a drug all at once. You yeah. just let all the dopamine out of your brain in the first month. It's like, oh, now we know everything about each other already. And Fuck. We've already had sex everywhere in the house. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've already what else tapped, can we we've do? tapped the potential of the house. I mean, I guess we yeah. could try the stove when it's turned <laughs> off, but now we're getting real like it's, yeah. it's it's too much. It's too much. And you're right. Yeah. It, 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 you have to space it out a little bit. Yeah. It's weird. It's it doesn't too, like too quick, man. doesn't really logically make a ton of sense, but like if you've experienced it, you're like, yeah, of course you have to do that. Especially when you're 19. Oh yeah. 20? I think at any age. It's just like the only reason when you get married or something and then you're at that domestic phase is cuz you're already so invested that like you're okay with this. Yeah. But if you're younger or you've only been dating for a little bit and you're already quote-unquote bored or just live this like very like routine life and it's not maybe you don't go out as much like it's stuff you hear about with like old couples right uh-huh. to rekindle their romance uh-huh. if you're experiencing that already it's like man you fast forwarded too fast and that 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 stage is cool too yeah but it's better to build slowly to that i, I feel think like. so too because then you're just gonna be like oh I'll just move on right like yeah. i also don't think i've heard people say this is this isn't necessarily an original thought i don't know all the pieces that I've gotten it from, but it's a, I think it's a common thing that there is social theories based around humans aren't really even meant to be monogamous, like naturally. Oh uh, yeah. I've heard like, some have, you, have you heard that kind of talking point? Yes. I think, I think what it gets think over, I think it gets overblown just cause it's a counterpoint. Mm. It's essentially everything that we've been taught mm-hmm. says to be monogamous mm-hmm. and everyone's believed that. Mm-hmm. And now people are going, Hey, maybe that's not true. It's not like, okay, we for sure shouldn't be. It's just like, let's be reasonable here. It really could be either. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, we're definitely not monogamous. It's just like, obviously, we got to this point. Mm-hmm. There's some nature into us wanting to be monogamous as well. Yeah. You know? So, but I don't think it's uh, like set in stone or anything like that. Well, yeah, because I think in nature too, if we were to use the animal kingdom as a whole, let's put ourselves in the scope of animals because realistically that's what we are we're advanced mm-hmm. animals there are um polygamous animals and monogamous animals totally but ducks are monogamous there you go like random fact but like insects all over the world it's just and birds too even they just choose mates randomly yeah 
not all birds, but not all species. I know there's some species of birds that are monogamous too. So maybe human beings are like, uh, since we're omnivores with diet, maybe we're like the omnivore equivalent of sex well, too, where it's like... In this case, I actually don't think relating us to like animals is necessarily great. Like, I think it's... It, 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 all I think it is gives it gives you insight. insight. Yeah, yeah for you sure. Can, you can kind of start to build at least theoretical explanations for human behavior. Yeah. I, I always hear that a lot. People are like, oh, our, naturally we should do this or do this. I'm mm-hmm. like, I get that, but I feel like we're so advanced. We should be able to have some control mm-hmm. over our nature and that our advanced minds and consciousness can like fight, I guess, what nature is supposed to tell us. Like nature is supposed to tell us if we don't like someone to like kill them. Like we don't do that. True. Like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of have choice. Now, if you're forced to be monogamous and you feel like you don't want to be, that's a problem. But it, it isn't like there is some end-all, be-all, all humans. The true nature of it is actually this. Like I think it's really just like our choice for most things. It really is because it, it does boil down to personal preference. Yeah, we're like, too advanced to just be like, well, when we were gorillas, we, <laughs> we fucked everybody. And it's, it's like, like, yeah, we're and not now gorillas. AIDS exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we're way, 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 yeah. way past... So I think it's really, it's obviously not one or the other. I think it's yeah. definitely personal preference. Um, it's also just like whatever you're feeling at the time or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the monogamous relationship is built into society in a lot of ways. Mm. So it's easier to do that. It's what's but then expected. There's, there has always been, even since like the 1960s, a loud counterculture that are mm-hmm. like, no, nah, man, fuck everyone. They're Keep loud, public. but they're, they're still small. <laughs> I, would like, you say it's smaller? Yeah. Think so? yeah. Like they're loud, sure, but like we also live in California. True. You know what I mean? Like sure, like we know people who go to like Burning Man or something like that. Yeah. Or or not saying that's what you do at Burning Man, but Under the, no, you know under the I mean? right circumstances, would you do like an orgy tent at Burning Man? <laughs> would you uh I don't you... think so, honestly. I feel like I'd want to be there just to see. I, I... How I would do you go even to get invited to an orgy. How do you even, like <laughs> other than Burning Man, like showing up at the orgy tent? How do people like orchestrate orgies? Like, is it Craigslist? I, I'm assuming there's well, there, online there is some stuff like that. I've heard some stories and whatnot, but sometimes people you just talk at bars. You, you just get bring in, them to a stranger's story. You just get you invited. Orgies, you know, like, you just get invited. You make buds, and then you go, "Hey, I do this thing. You want to come?" And then boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I, just I just. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we have a lot of counterculture here in yeah. California. Yeah. If you look at the whole country, it's a whole lot less. And if you look at the whole world, it's even way less. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we have a lot of freedom here, so we see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, we are essentially, we grew up in one of the epicenters of counterculture in, like, Berkeley and San mm-hmm. Francisco. So, whatever we feel like, if we're iffy about it, it's probably not that big. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if we're even yeah, yeah. considering it. It's not that big of a counterculture. Yeah. But I think it's a real thing. It's always been happening. Uh, There's like swingers back in the day and shit like that. So like it's not that. I don't Another think it's weird at all. Another super funny movie scene. Have you ever seen Bruno? Sasha Baron Cohen? Yes. Yeah. When he crashes the swingers party. Yeah. That shit. So out of pocket. But <laughs> so fucking funny. It's just Very funny. seeing somebody in that like scenario and that situation. <laughs> and it's like the funniest part of the whole scene is too. It's like not a Beverly Hills swingers party. It's like a rural Alabama swingers party. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like even more. It's really deep in the cut. It was interesting in college. It was it was so funny, dude. Of uh, good friend of ours um, that we were visiting. I don't think you were in the car with us but she was driving us to her place and she's just randomly we're just driving and out of nowhere i guess she just got the thought she's like 
do you ever think about all the sex that happens outside of our age grouping? And we were like in our 20s, right? Like college time sure. where it's like, you know, a pretty prevalent part of existence. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can be sex sexually explorative now. She said that and I started thinking about that. I was like, yeah, it actually is insane because there's like, you know. Well, what do you mean? We were talking about counterculture in terms of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we grew up with it. But there is, there's so many, in your thought just kind of sparked that too. There's so many international like, views of sex like that and things that are going on it was just a funny comment to me like i'm not it's not even really pointed I, I, no it's i just, just i don't I, what does that mean that like sex outside of our age group like old people having sex is that what she means yeah she was like she was like just bewildered by it she's like if you think about that it, old all people adults have, have sex that all adults have sex she was like because it's so prevalent like it's you new, sure this right? wasn't when we were like 12 and it was like no it was like 19, old we people like have 19, sex 20. oh my god no way that's what funny comment to me it was I, just like it came out of nowhere out of her mouth on this drive and now it just came out of nowhere Clearly. yeah it caught me off guard when i heard it i was like no i don't really think about that often but yeah. the conversation that we were just having where we're like in a more free area especially in that yeah yeah regard I, where you can think that way about these certain things it's like, yeah like, i don't really like i burning man too like there's just different communities within like you know yeah yeah i guess maybe something to that would be like there's people once you get older also you get more you just know what you like and what you want to do more i think that's true you become more blunt about it yeah because it's not shocking to me that older people or people different ages have sex but the idea that maybe they're still doing wild and crazy things and maybe it's more i was taking it to the next level from her comment i think she was talking base level for me i was talking about the next level of the conversation which is the niche communities that get formed within like the realm of oh my god everyone yeah that's what i'm, that's what I'm talking yeah. about yeah, yeah. that's um, a, that's what i was trying to get at too thank you for bringing us there. <laughs> that's, that's exactly I was like, what i was trying i was to there say. like this is like a 12 year old conversation <laughs> no, no, no 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 i was bringing it to the because i was it, the whole thing that sparked it was that bruno swears yeah scene. totally it's that there's still adults and stuff yeah figuring it out as well or yeah, something man. i haven't figured out and that's what they like to do yeah see i don't think it's that uh I don't know. I hate using the word weird. To me, weird is kind of a positive. I, it's a positive. I have a positive too. connotation, but so a lot of times I'll say it and I'll be like, oh, that's not weird. I'm like, oh, that's weird, like kind of in a good way. Different, I guess, is like the nicer way to say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's cool. I think once we get older, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Once the internet age kids get older, it's going to be because everyone will be aware of the counterculture and different ideas. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who maybe have those urges or feel some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Or let's say like 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. But they had no access to it. Like you're saying, how do you get into an orgy, right? Yeah. Maybe you want to do that. How do you explore sexual but you freedom live, in certain spots? You live in Alabama and you don't know that your neighbors are throwing a swingers party every night because yeah. it's not on Craigslist or Facebook, you know, yeah, or whatever yeah, it's it word is. Of mouth. Now it's like, if you really want to get into a scene or you really want to do something, yeah. you'll find it. Yeah. Like whatever yeah. it is. It could be across the globe. And like at least you're aware of it. Yeah. Some people would feel really alone before and just never pursue it. You know? Just so I think about it. So now I think it's gonna be everyone knows that these things are options. Yeah. There might still be a social stigma for sure. Oh yeah. But at least like if you really want to do it, you have access. If you really want to become a swinger, you could do it. If you really want to be a furry, you could do it. You could find fellow furries and find your people. Yeah. So that part I think is really cool. Hopefully it's the sick. social stigma goes away and then it'll become like an even playing field. That'd be and It's dope. not even like a counterculture. It's just like kind of like sexual freedom is a, is a thing. You yeah. Know what I mean? I, and it could be with anything. It could just be like what you're, what you're into pretty much. Yeah. But yeah. Instead of it being like 
everyone should be into these big things and then everything else is like a small percentage yeah it'll be more balanced it, you know it won't be like everyone should play baseball and football and if you like video games you're this minority and if yeah you like to sew you're this minority like it's gonna just be like everything has a little bit yeah more spread even but i don't think that'll happen like truly but it should balance out more mm. i would think but i don't know we're gonna have to wait till we get old it is gonna be interesting too <laughs> to see like uh older and middle millennials mixing with uh like you said the next two generations when they become adults it is gonna be interesting because there are a lot of things from the tech era that like affects uh millennial adults too i think a lot of uh innovation is happening but also a lot of regression in terms of social life like revolving around that and then having us all be adults at the same time it's going to be weird because what made me think about that is uh, uh i know this uh, person in their like 30s right now and when they talk about like their social scene and sex life mm-hmm. it sounds like digital age high school because it's like did he text me back oh Is yeah he, like you yeah. know it's like all like the it's the new digital game totally so it's going to be interesting when the playing field is more even because like right now you still mm. have a couple people like we're getting towards the end of like people who didn't grow up with the internet being active in like single adult social life you know towards I see the, what you're saying. of course there are outliers who like you know they go out and socialize and kind of live a single life into their 80s i'm sure yeah. there are but i would say like general cutoff is like late 40s when people stop pretty, really engaging with that lifestyle pretty much what you're saying is the oldest young people are mm-hmm. millennials mm-hmm. that's true mm-hmm. like i think the age about for millennials like the actual like cutoff line is close to like the oldest millennial is probably like 35 to 40 right now mm-hmm. so that kind of adds up mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it's very true that people will be kind of tapped in in that way they are also a little bit different because mm-hmm. they weren't like really grew up, grew up with it. Which with is why internet. it's weird to hear like a 35 year old be like, oh my God, what does this text message mean? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it does like, feel just weird. He hasn't texted me back in a day and a half. <laughs> it's like we were talking yeah, earlier because yeah, yeah. I've been busy. Like, it's just like, I don't live. We just get it a bit more maybe. Yeah. yeah and the next know, generation, it'll be, I don't know. I don't know. I think the issue with the, with the internet is like, I agree. People who grew up with it, it's one thing, but like it is so different now too. Mm-hmm. Like we have no clue what it's like now to grow up with the internet. Like no. that's a different internet. Mm-hmm. Like, we barely had it like realistically. Like I remember like when the big kind of platforms like started, mm-hmm. we started around that age, mm-hmm. but now it's like so established that like it's got to be different. They're going to either be like... Kids are watching TV. There's now YouTube channels mm-hmm. for like kid shows. Yeah. Like it's just like it's it's the new biggest media yeah i mean television now the number one youtube video of all time i'm pretty sure it's baby shark wow baby shark you're welcome listeners now it's stuck in your head that's nuts like but it actually makes so much sense it does it's just like the song that every kid in the country loves and of course kids in the backseat of the car mom play baby shark yeah and no we're not listening to it again jerry mom play Baby shark. shark! Baby shark. And you have to listen to that as yeah. a parent for entire car rides sometimes. Yeah. And that's how you get the number one YouTube video in the world. That's how you do it. And that's also why you never have kids. <laughs> Possibly. But I think that's also... It, it uh, kind of teases a scary part of the internet is that a lot of it is catered towards kids because they're the biggest consumers. They have the most time. They have the most time. There's a t- fuck ton of them. And they just consume and consume. So the content and stuff that 
gets the most hits you or is really the most want viral. To aim to like twelve to nineteen year olds. That's huh? your demo, like yeah. for sure. And if, even if you look at, like, but is that creating a bunch of like baby adults who get so sucked into appealing to these people, like appealing to this audience that then they just are that audience, you know? Like the 35-year-olds who are so sucked into this world of like 16 to 19-year-old hmm. stuff. Like, could you imagine like having a conversation with somebody who writes at like Teen Vogue magazine? Like, oh you know gosh, I mean? like, yeah, yeah. Because they just, their time is spent- They're tapped in, yeah. Tapping into what fucking 15 to 21-year-olds are into, which in my homeless of opinions- It's a little odd. At a certain point- you, I can't talk about that shit anymore. Yeah, the thing is that pays their bills though. It does. It's being that tapped in, and, and it gets. Knowing. It doesn't only pay the bills; it makes you be able to pay big bills. Yeah, uh, for nice shit that because you want to buy. But like, if you think about it, all the biggest stars come from those generations. Even for us, the child stars we grew up with eventually became the biggest stars, like Miley Cyrus or something yeah. like that. You know, like that's the demographic now. Essentially, it's the Jake Pauls, Logan mm. Paul, that kind of youtuber era that an oh age group God, just below imagine? us that's who they watch there are 12 year olds looking up to those two fucks i think it's a little <laughs> past them but yeah. yeah i would say it's probably like 16 17 year olds who looked up to them when they were 13 14 yeah and now it's a bit mature and ideally you know the creator will go with the audience right mm -hmm. they become more mature as well for their audience but it is just kind of weird like like if you really want to make it big in that way you kind of have to promote to kids who <laughs> are like impressionable and, and that's like, what you, yeah and that's what you have to think about it's like, a little is like that really what advantage. you want your market to be because if you want to appeal to adults whether you do write a book <laughs> yeah i mean it's just not or have like a fucking it's just not gonna work like wood shop videos on youtube yeah. what appeals to the fucking 50 and 60 year olds if you want videos if you want to be the best or the top of the youtubers and like make the most money that's not what you're gonna do oh. so logically it doesn't really I make think, sense is that fair to say though i feel like there are a lot of adults starting to hop on the video consumption wagon where like i'm saying it's becoming like television yeah. in the average American household where their favorite YouTube channel will be their hour of media at the end of the workday. I'll just say this. We, I mean, there's no way those people consume more, more than 14-year-olds. Nope. There's, there's more 14-year-olds. No Ask a 40-year-old a, a what's <laughs> their favorite show or yeah. what do you watch? If you ask a 14-year-old, it's YouTube. Yeah. Like, they're not going to say fucking Grey's Anatomy. Like, they just watch YouTube. All I watch is YouTube, really. David Dobrik. Yeah, it's yeah. just like shit like that. And so it's that's the future and i get why people go for it but it is a little scary when you're just like oh they look up to these people they idolize them in this weird way and there's no longer this kind of industry to hold the veil up you know what i mean before it was like hannah montana tv show yeah it is kind of perfect because it's a tv show like there's a big production to make it look a certain way there's checks and balances a bit more it's funded by disney yeah but if you looked up to logan paul and then he goes to the suicide forest right there's no producer there going like hey logan you know 12 year olds are gonna watch this maybe you shouldn't post this video mm. you know so it's like much easier for that image to be like ruined and then like affect these kids because they're also just other kids posting the videos you know mm. what i mean the only good part of the quote-unquote industry with that was i think that part is that like they knew their audience and things were extremely catered to that and they made sure to not you know swear or do whatever they thought was quote-unquote bad what do you think's better? Um, I don't know. Do you think like filtering that shit for kids? So like traditional TV where there's a lot of consideration and say as to what's broadcasted and what yeah. people are viewing and what kids are viewing. Because like honestly, I wouldn't say that. Actually, 
now that I say that out loud, I wouldn't say it's any healthier because, like, you remember Disney shows and shit that we grew up on? Like, yeah, they're appropriate, right? They're age-appropriate scenarios. Yeah. But the things that happened and the way that they acted and behaved and talked to one another, like, it's inhuman. You know what I mean? And we would just yeah. watch hours of that. And I feel like there's a certain section of kids that are like, oh, that's how people yeah. talk. That's what life yeah. is. You I know mean, what I mean? Pe- people base a lot of their expectations off of movies and TVs, yeah. and it's, it's really dangerous. But I also think seeing a dead body yeah someone who committed suicide at 12 13 year old it's also yeah. very fucking damaging yeah i think the uh oh, and you can find some gnarly shit on the internet as a kid the risk of the internet is 10 times higher like insurmountably higher right yeah but if you're looking at the median or like the mean the average youtube video i agree would probably be better than the than the tv show the tv yeah. show will give you false expectations of reality and stuff like that but for the most part people seem to kind of pretty much function yeah you're not getting these worst case scenario where like someone is psychologically like fucked up for life because they watch hannah montana but that could happen from the internet or from youtube if you find you know? some black web footage of people <laughs> getting web, mutilated yeah, yeah. Did i say dark is black, black web, web? <laughs> dark web sorry um but totally so i think the real solution is like using youtube or more like realistic less filtered less industry products but with some restraints some guidelines i mean they have like youtube for kids where they can't watch certain videos and certain videos are age restricted and stuff like that but creators literally work to get around those age restrictions and stuff yeah to get more views so like it's never going to be perfect i think the biggest thing is care about your kids and watch what they're watching and if you realize it's bad change it apparently you ain't parents yeah i mean <laughs> but i saw shit on tv that fucked yeah. me up too you know what i mean dude uh there's this movie called the jackal with uh bruce willis and jack black has a cameo in it hmm. my family and i were at disneyland i was like 11 years old really impressionable really this was the time when i was discovering that i had adhd that was fueling intense childhood anxiety mm. um over natural disasters over death like we were talking in our very first episode, thinking too much thinking way too much and just like how i don't want to die and what happens after i die am i the same person you know those thoughts yeah. would go crazy spiral yeah so we're in a disneyland hotel and it's Ooh. the nighttime so we had just been to disneyland all day super fun day my dad's flipping through the channels and the jackal comes on he sees jack black on screen he's like what is jack black doing in the movie with bruce willis he's a really young jack black no way he's older than 25. Like, okay, no wow. way Jack Black's older than 25. It had to be one of his first roles. And uh, he's playing this scummy weapon salesman <laughs> that's selling a rifle to Bruce Willis's character that's, like, automated. So Bruce Willis can control this 50 caliber sniper rifle with a little joystick and a button. And he's like, I'm going to test the accuracy. He tells Jack Black, like, go up against the cars, bro, and hold your pack of cigarettes out. I'm going to shoot it out of your hand. When really Bruce Willis's intention the whole time in this movie is just to kill this motherfucker and steal the gun. So he goes and he does it, right? Because now Jack Black's scared because Bruce Willis is like hella threatening. So he's like holding it and shaking. And Bruce Willis just pushes his button and in the movie, remember, I'm 11, just blows off Jack Black's (laughs) arm first, right? So Jack Black's like, ah! He's like sitting there screaming. And then he moves a little joystick and pushes again and just kills this motherfucker. And the... It wasn't even a good movie. It came out in like the 90s. It was such... I've watched the clip on YouTube uh, since, but dude, you know how I get when I get worried about shit yeah. and I can't stop talking about it? Yeah. I was like that when I was a kid. And my facial expressions, for those who know me, you know, I'm not very good at hiding like, you know, like I'm... 
thinking about something actively or like worried about it. Yeah. And I was just like, bro, that's insane. Does that happen in real life? Like, do people die like that? Like, that's crazy. And my dad was like, Matt, it's a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, but you don't know that He's as a like, kid. You saw Jack Black in School of Rock, right? He had his arm. I was like, but how'd they make it look so real? It was so scary. Dude, it was like, it, yeah. it was terrifying. But yeah, so like images like that can really... The fact that you still remember it like this, that's a perfect example. Yeah, and that was a movie done in Hollywood. And like I said, shitty special effects. So yeah. now imagine a 12-year-old finding themselves on the dark web and seeing someone actually getting decapitated. When it's real, yeah. And that's fucking nuts i think a cool solution to that is cartoons and stuff like that that make yeah. it a clear not reality thing what would you say to the argument that then cartoons and maybe video game like depictions of violence and more adult related content then desensitizes people well, to when it happens in real life do you think that's true or well yes of course but i think you would be even more desensitized if you watch the real thing yeah okay you know yeah, I mean? yeah so if you true. watch Happy Tree Friends. Decent you remember that traumatized. Show? Yeah, I remember. Oh. I think it's a bit of both. That they kind of, I think, go hand in hand a bit. But Happy Tree Friends was little cartoon fun animals who would get like literally get brutally, brutally murdered in these cartoons, and it fucked me up as a kid watching it. I did not enjoy watching Actually, it. Oh, there's the one where uh, he's he, trying to stop the cart, and his legs are getting shaved off yeah. as he's like holding it. And I just remember being a kid and having like shivers down my yeah. spine from that animation. But imagine if you had watched that and it was a human. That'd be not right. right. There's one where they do what's the James Franco movie when he's under the rock, 72 hours, 127 hours, 127 hours. There's one Happy Tree Friends where it's like a moose, yeah, and a, a tree <laughs> fell on and he cuts off his own arm and he realized he cut off the wrong arm. The moose is the funniest character because he's just stupid, he's just yeah. a dumbass. He cut off the wrong arm and then had to use his mouth to cut off the other arm. Traumatized me, but imagine so then there's that then imagine yeah. i watched the james franco movie yeah and then imagine i saw let's say the actual footage of that happening yeah the best one <laughs> in a weird way the is cartoon. the cartoon for sure so i think to make it as non-real as is, is, is best mm -hmm. if you have to do it mm -hmm. that's why Fortnite is okay more okay for kids than call of duty mm -hmm. you know it, there's it levels to this shit yeah. 10 year olds should be playing TF2 not fucking Warzone exactly yeah. like you shouldn't be going deep in maybe they shouldn't be doing any of them uh -huh. right but if they are let's make it the best and safest one right mm -hmm. it doesn't mean okay 8 year olds can just start shooting people on Fortnite that's fine you yeah. know like yeah. there's still like a line there but I think I'd rather it be cartoons or less realistic that's really how you change game ratings and stuff if there's like realistic blood it's immediately like uh for an older audience or something like that oh yeah yeah so, yeah definitely there is like a science to it in a way what do you think is like when did you start playing like rated m games like watching rated r movies pretty consistently i wasn't allowed to watch rated r till i was pretty old except for only movies my parents had seen yeah like they would be like few. it's okay i remember the first t movie i watched was star wars episode three gotcha um, so the pg-13 yeah that was the first yeah. pg-13 um and that was like, I was, I think, like 12 or something. Mm. But my parents had already watched and They knew it was Star Wars. They knew I liked Star Wars. Okay, you can watch this. Yeah. You know? But I remember going to your house and playing T for Teen games as a kid and having to call my mom. Yeah. And tell her, hey, mom, I'm going to play this shooting game. My mom, yeah. my mom was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but our, our movies, I didn't watch. So I was pretty much old enough to go by myself. Gotcha. Pretty much. Just, not, just wasn't accessible back then either, though. Like, I couldn't go on my own and watch an R-rated movie. 
Like True. every movie I saw was like we didn't really have streaming either. No, I mean we used to get Netflix in the mail, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. Oh, boomer right here, just fucking Dude, Netflix in the mail. You got delivered. The I will DVD say, by my Netflix. family's had Netflix since like the beginning. <laughs> like, we've had Netflix forever. <laughs> when they were literally mailing people yeah. DVDs, I actually it was Redbox. It was basically like the first version mm -hmm. of Redbox with yeah. Netflix, and then we switched to Redbox for a little bit before Netflix went streaming. Yeah. But I remember one time I went on my mom's Netflix account. And I saw Kill Bill, and I just like liked the poster or whatever, and I yeah. rented it. My mom was like, now we have to wait another month to get a movie. Because you decided to get Kill Bill, and you can't watch that. I'm like, why can't I watch Kill Bill? And you're like, you're not watching this. So I had to send it back and wait like a couple weeks or whatever it was to get the next Cars movie or something, you know? <laughs> but like, it was just like, there was no accessibility. Yeah. There was no way I could watch that. I agree. It all had to come from uh, my dad. And I think the first PG-13 movie I ever saw... It wasn't even, dude, when Star Wars Episode Three came out, my parents actually said that it was, that one was too graphic, but the first PG-13 one that I saw was one of the Indiana Jones movies. I think Temple um, of Doom. Cause to I know, be fair, I might have seen that, actually, because I, I watched Raiders all of the those. Lost Ark was PG. But Temple I think, of Doom is gory. Tem it should be PG-13. Temple was, of Doom, they, like, sacrificed the motherfucker. I know. Was, <laughs> was, was, was Indiana Jones one of the first movies to be PG-13? Mm, maybe i thought i heard that fun fact at the alameda theater so the, our hometown theater does this thing where they do like random movie trivia before the yeah movie. i think a lot of theaters do that actually yeah. um and i think one of the one was what was the first pg-13 movie ever and i think it was temple of doom very I, possible i, I want to say it was because i think raiders of the lost ark and the funny thing is is when raiders of the lost ark first came out now if you get like an indiana jones box set it will uh -huh. say Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, it was but just Indiana it was, Jones. No, 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 no. It was just Raiders of the Lost oh, Ark. Oh, interesting. It didn't have Indiana Jones in the title because he was just the title character. Yeah, so it was just movie, a movie. If you watch the movie, the opening scene is just Raiders of the Lost That's Ark. That's true. And yeah. then the second one is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, that'd and be it's a It's actually a prequel. It's actually that those events take place chronologically before Raiders. And then Indiana Jones 3 takes place after. Indiana Jones 3 is Temple the sequel. Temple of Doom is the prequel. Is the prequel. Got it. And The Last Crusade is the sequel. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And then number four sucks. Number four is dog garbage. I, dog we, should, shit. we should watch it sometime. It's dog. It we should really, really loathe it and watch it. We need to keep it. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. It's a funny yeah. movie. It is. I, I, the the single-handed best and funniest and most campy scene is that is when Indiana Jones is in the middle of a nuclear blast. He is in the middle of an area in which a nuclear bomb goes off, and he lives by hiding in a refrigerator. Yeah. That then gets it blown into the sky. It just bounces around, and he's like, fine. He just gets up, walks out, not a scratch, just like, oh. What a legend. Damn, that was rough. What a legend, Indiana Jones. He can survive a nuke. Dude, Harrison Ford was Indiana Jones and Han Solo. It doesn't happen era. anymore. No. People can't really be more than one iconic character, typically. He was two. There's a couple people that did it in, like, superhero movies. I'll say, like, Ryan Reynolds was, like, a he couple did. different... He did. He did Green Lantern. But but the the funny thing is, is Deadpool? Great superhero series. Also, it's different. You don't see his face and stuff like that as Yeah, much. but he, write, he, he, he writes all of it pretty much. And no, like, I he, know. It's just, like, the, the image is what gets you messed up. It's, that, like, yeah, that's it's like, you've seen Han Solo, mm -hmm. and then you see Indiana Jones, like, that's not Indiana Jones. That's Han Solo. Shut the fuck up. But that's the thing. Harrison Ford is the one where I'm like, which one do I see? It actually works. <laughs> it actually works. He just has iconic outfits. If it's a blaster, Han. If it's a whip, Indy. It's like easy. It just easy. makes sense. And if you see Harrison Ford walking down the street, you yell, Han Jones. Han Jones. <laughs> Han Jones. 
It's essentially like the, you know, like uh, Happy Madison or something, you know? Yeah, I actually think that was really cool, Adam Sandler. Like, it, it's funny to me because it does. And then when I hear his production company, I think of his two Iconic. arguably his best movies, Happy yeah. Gilmore and Billy Madison. It's just like, makes oh, sense. Happy Madison. But yeah, I just feel like back then it was like. There was so it was so much easier to control movies like that. It didn't matter the rating because it was yeah. up to your parents' discretion anyway. Yeah. Now it's like it matters so much because these kids will just find it on their own. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. The only thing we I feel like stumbled upon as kids was YouTube, or like a couple TV shows. If you didn't have like blocks on your TV, like mm-hmm. I could go to any station, mm-hmm. probably see some weird shit. Yeah. You know. But for the most part, like we didn't have too much access nowadays. I couldn't imagine. If I had a kid I now, did though, young, uh, I had an iPod Touch with the internet. But there wasn't that much on there. You know what porn. I mean? Yeah, I guess. Which is damaging in but its own right. Not the porn that's out today. Also true. It's also a different true. game. Now. It's it's man, a, some a of lot those of titles. Pe- <laughs> a lot of people are gonna try and fuck their siblings at some point it's in their gonna life. It's gonna be nuts. Where did the fucking incest thing just become popular? Why? What the fuck? Why? Was it Game of Thrones? Do we no. have George R. R. Martin to blame for I this don't where blame it's just Game like incest is cool? I don't blame Game of Thrones. Because I don't get it. I just, I don't, The I worst don't get it. part is that it's all like data and algorithm based. Oh. So someone sh- took their shot and made one. There's, there's porn about everything, right? Yeah. yeah. So the ones that rise to the top are data driven. Decided by the people. This is what the people wanted. Why? <laughs> I don't fucking get it, dude. It's because we're disgusting creatures. Humans are awful, putrid, it's disgusting. The Literally the worst. We're fucking, we're fucked up. But I think that's part <laughs> of it is that they've become, things have to go to that next, next level more and more fucked up because like everything, they, they've already had it. Yeah. So you're like dopamine. Like yeah. You've already earlier. been stimulated you by the regular stuff. You need to go farther and then can't expend all that dopamine. You can't move in with your college you girlfriend. You can't move in with your you college girlfriend. You cannot move in with your college girlfriend because you'll expend all your... And then you're going to break up you and then it's over. You cannot be exposed to step-sibling pornography too young or else you're just going to want to fucking... Then your college girlfriend's going to be stuck in the washer. And then, <laughs> then you're just going to teeter the help line out. incest for the rest of your life, bro. And that's fucked up. Don't do that. Oh, God. Oh, my God. But that's the thing. The funny thing is, is if this is jarring anyone's ears right now, this is real. This is yeah, that's, extraordinarily oh, I'm real. Not, I'm not freaking out because it's jarring. I'm freaking out because it's real. Yeah. Like, we're well, no, I that. was just saying to some of the yeah. listeners that think this is jarring right now. Guess what, motherfuckers? It's true. Yeah, it's really <laughs> true. It's scary true. Yeah. So, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't see how we go back from this. I don't either. What's the next? Then what's even scarier is what's the next step after. Well, we'll what just, is the data we're gonna, gonna we're gonna we're time. gonna invent more shit i mean they just came out i saw a beta test for uh like a full uh skin suit that like you can mm. feel through mm-hmm. like if you were in a vr world mm-hmm. you could feel everything in your body so like it would feel almost fully real Dude, it's like that uh that black mirror sensor in the head you know yeah, black yeah. museum yeah so like if you get touched if someone slapped you in the face in the vr world it'd be like fuck ow that actually hurt like you would feel it on your face so we're totally fucked we're so fucked <laughs> nuts yeah that's, that's crazy I yeah, think we're just gonna evolution. Keep, but like in a way we're just gonna keep finding ways to go harder and harder and then those other things will become normal and like that i think becomes more scary when like the the crazy stuff i think there's now of, becomes normal i think there's one of two routes and one is much more probable for mm-hmm. the way society is gonna go we're either 
all going to get cool with psilocybin and everyone's going to have crazy spiritual experiences and people are going to take that next level to DMT and we're going to revert to a simpler society. That's the less likely scenario. Oh, that's not happening. We're just the more likely scenario the whole world mushrooms. is it's, <laughs> and that'll fix things. You should watch, you should, have you seen Fantastic Fun Guy on Netflix? No, I'm not saying it's an that interesting it, doc. You should I'm not watch saying it. that it wouldn't. I just saying like I don't even think that would fix things. But go ahead, go ahead. I'm, I didn't say it would fix things. I said there's one or two. I didn't say things would get better necessarily with that route. I'm saying there's one or two route for the well, next then, evolution well, of humanity. Well, then, and then why? the next one, the next one, is. <laughs> I actually feel like I'm getting blown by Adriana Chechik with my VR bodysuit. I'm so happy I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, the reason I actually, she's a porn star, but the reason I know about her is actually um, your mom's house with uh, mm. Tom Segura and Christina P. I didn't think you were going to say house there. I was about to be like, what's going from, on? Yeah, from your mom, actually. <laughs> I talked to her. Uh, we, were, we, were comparing, <laughs> we were comparing porn she catalogs. Porn stars. No, like no, your mom's house with so, Tom Segura. Yeah, I. Wow, I, I don't think those have anything to do with the future of society. I either think they of do. those, I think those, I think those are the two routes. And for I us, don't man. see how we get there at nope. all. One or the other. But I'm getting blown virtually by porn stars, or I'm fucking, you know, in the nether realms with the fucking spirit world. Realistically, I think the most realistic one, and it sounds awful, is we just don't get that far. I do too. Like the world collapses prior. I think so too. I, I, I you know, sometimes I think it leads to this kind of. I don't believe hedonist, so. Uh, but I think those are the odds. Sometimes I have a hedonist mentality though, because I'm like, you know what? We're fucked as is. The world is ending soon. See, I don't have that mentality, but I can't ignore kind of the numbers or the direction we're going. Right. I don't think it's like likely. Like we will find a way for sure. But that doesn't mean like society won't be like flipped on its head at some point. Yeah. It's not like the world's going to end. There's going to be no more people. But like we're going to go through potentially like a revolution of sorts. Uh, maybe not in this country. Maybe just in some I was some thinking others. that the other day. You know, who knows? Do you, do you think a revolution would be like uh, – would you would you actively participate in, in, in a revolution or would you try and be more of a bystander, maybe a recorder? Like let's say you actually believed in the cause, right? Like sure. There were people shedding blood and actually engaging in a revolution in the United States and you were actually behind the cause. Would you, in this world, right, maybe, let's say also in the world, things have been turned upside down because of some environmental catastrophe or whatever. Sure. You go in full send, like, fuck it, this is life now. I'm fucking bayonet, uh, leather jacket wearing, well, motherfucker. Well, it's, it's or, like so hard to say because it's all based on the cause. If I believe the cause is worth it, then yeah, maybe. But like, I can't say thing, without How that. can you know the cause is worth it? You don't know the future. No, you, how will, you how will have the future to, look on you your cause? You have to have faith or be confident. If you know the enemy, and you know it's not them, then it's this oh, team. To be realistic, See, right, where do I'm you determine not, the enemy? How do you determine the enemy? You determine. I don't. You figure that out. It's what you believe. Yeah. Like uh, that's all it is. I personally would assume that I would not be the front line guys. You know, <laughs> I would not be the first guy to like rebel. <laughs> I would, I'd wait, I'd, I'd see what's going on, <laughs> weigh the odds. You go like, well, I like this guy, but this guy's probably going to win. Let's see how it plays out. Okay, he's starting to lose. Maybe I'll go with the guy I like. You know, like, I'm not going to be, yeah, the first responder to the revolution. To be honest, I'm just lazy like that as well. Like, it's not going to be the case. Think about this as a human experience. And many humans throughout mm. history have lived this human experience. This is their life story. They're born... In the village in eastern France, sometime mid-century, 1600s, maybe 1500s. Sure. They're born from the age of five 
they are trained to be a warrior. Their father is one of the burliest men in the town and uh, can surely fight. Large from, handlebar mustache. Yes. Bald. Large, bald handlebar mustache. Maybe wider than giant he is tall. Sealed, giant shield, 80-pound sword, just crafted from a yeah. blacksmith you yeah. know, in, in that era. This man, this, this child was raised to be a shit. warrior. He's the best in town. He's showing signs of being an absolute prodigy. And then the day comes when the king rolls into town and says, <laughs> I need you to come fight the fucking Vikings that are invading eastern France. They're I need, pillaging us. You are the best warrior of this region. We're taking you, and you're going to be on the front lines for us. And this guy says, finally, my life's destiny is going to be complete. Yeah. We fight for country. And he runs out onto the battlefield and gets an arrow to the face right when the battle starts. Because he's, he's, he's the first guy. He doesn't make it. He doesn't. He's the first guy. He doesn't yeah. see shit. He has no idea how the rest of the battle turns out. Yeah. Because he just ran in and gets fucking capped right there. That's most people. That's, that's, that's a, a many a human experience. Yeah. And it sucks. Throughout all of history. Yeah. What a fucking So that's the scary fuck. thing is like we revert to that point where it's like we legit just need numbers in a militia kind of war. And there's that's happening in the world today. Everywhere. Yeah. It's happening all over. Yeah. We're seeing it every day. So like it could happen in this country for sure. I think it's pretty unlikely. Yeah, I think so too. But uh it just seems the government's force and strength seems insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Except if some disaster kind of thing happened where they lost their their strength. If for some reason the all the military forces of the U.S. disbanded and of all of our ships and nukes and everything disappeared, then yeah, maybe someone would take the opportunity. But we're a little too deep now to have like a true revolution, it feels like. Mm. I mean, it's happening in some other countries, but at least in the U.S. A lot of other countries. We're, we're pretty far away, though. I mean, a lot of them happened recently. Like, you know, but Spain so had one not think that how many long people ago. Are, think of how many people are still living under authoritarian regimes mm-hmm. today in 2021. Think how yeah. many people, like, you know. It, it, the thing is, it's never going to be. Do you be, fight for that? Do you, is it worth the bloodshed? I don't know. I, I, I appreciate the people who feel like it is. That's worth it. I you can know? get it. Yeah, Hats but, off to them. I think respect that. But also, it's like, is that really the, maybe the best way to go about it? Or is it actually going to be worth it? Like... In the case of, let's say, like North Korea or something, right? You going and trying to start a little army is not going to actually win you anything in the long run. Maybe the move is you could risk your life to escape mm-hmm. to maybe then fight for other countries to come help or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think you have to be more strategic about it nowadays. It's not just like a war anymore. Like, like if we had a revolution here, it's not even going to be a true revolution. There's going to be like every other country is going to be involved in it. And we're going to have out like it's going to be it's not going to be some grassroots thing anymore. That just doesn't happen. I mean, if you look like Iraq right now, like that whole situation was they had their own kind of, you know, uh, like uprising and just everyone else and their mom you mean got involved. Huh? Do you mean Afghanistan or yeah. Iraq? Well, regardless, any yeah. of those, it's just there was, you know, disgruntled people who then tried to make a change in their country. I mean, that's every, that's essentially the Cold War, right? Yeah. And all everything since then. Again, then. if you think about it, at the end of the day, it's stupid, right? Because there's always yeah. going to be factions of people with like contrary beliefs. What's best for the greater good? Is totally. It, is it just my greater good? Am I incorporating everybody into this greater good? All human beings, just some human beings? Yeah. Like, who the fuck is right, man? Because like, that's the thing is I got, well, I had a lot of faith when I was a kid. I had tons of faith in like being American and like, oh, we were out for justice and being, you know, we the good best. and we we the best music, right? <laughs> like 
But then you just DJ you learn about Khaled. shit, man. You, <laughs> yeah. you learn about people's agendas, and then in some regards, obviously, I'm I'm not comparing living in the United States as living under an authoritarian regime, but I'm saying the atrocities that we've committed towards other human beings mm-hmm. are comparable to that of Kim Jong Il. Like it, it really is. It's not like it's not a different scale. Just because it's no. the United States yeah. committing atrocities. It's not like we're any more in the right just because we're not an authoritarian regime. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, totally, totally. It's, there that's... are kids going starving in America. Everyone wants to talk about, oh, Kim Jong-un starves his people. So do we. Yeah, totally. So 100%. do we. <laughs> I think the idea is in America, the idea is, yeah. let me be clear, that people can survive if they so choose to is what the claim is right Mm -hmm. you have freedom Mm -hmm. to work and make money and there should be opportunities to live Mm -hmm. in that country there isn't Mm -hmm. that's the big difference Mm -hmm. now is there actually true opportunities for every single person in america maybe not they're definitely not equal so that's a different thing but i agree like uh, i think the world is getting more it's weird because we're getting more globalized but it's also more i mean with us leaving Afghanistan is a perfect example of like, we're more just like take care of your own shit and let people take care of their own shit. But that's a different policy than America and the world has been running on for a long time. And it's going to be very different if we just leave other countries to their own devices. And then, yeah, yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be this rift. If you were to look at a chart just about how efficiently and how well things are being run, yeah. Then it's going to just be all over the fucking place, at least with the globalization. But this is contrary to what I was just saying, because then who's right? What, glo- what, what global authority do you live if under? If anything, you're just putting more power under one quote unquote random person, you know, who. Or then, body. Yeah. Or body. Who will then decide what's right? At least right now. What body is going to decide what's right? But that's the thing. Right now like you have think, options a little bit more. Kind of. Kind you of, do. do but the, uh, if I you feel live like the fake options. I feel like they're not telling us what the options really are. Well,. What's it like? What I don't the know what that means. Are. Like, okay, well, that, I'm just meaning the fact that if you're an American, right? Okay. You can move to a different state that has different policies, different oh, laws. Okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You move yeah. to a different country. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if it's just one body, you have nowhere else to go. No variety. This is your option. Yeah. Right? And so when you live in a country that, like Afghanistan and North Korea, where the passport means nothing and you're stuck there, then yes, you don't get an option. But I think the point of America, in a way, I think I've said this before, is. I think the idea I would like to hope is that if you don't agree with one state's policies, if you think income tax is silly, all right, move to Texas. That's fine. If you think whatever is more important, move to that place. You know, like you have some freedom to choose Mm -hmm, a little bit. mm -hmm. Now you have to choose amongst a select group of things. Yeah. It's not fully, you can start your own state where, you know, whatever else is legal, but it's somewhat more of an option. They make you feel like you have an option. on a global scale, do you think that that kind of variety and option is better, or do you think it would be better for us to have a kind of global sense of how Mm. things should be handled? We'll never get to one solution that this is the way. Because that would be kind of like, in a sense, segregating cultures, right? Well, it's uh, it's segregating culture. It's like scarily totalitarian. Like, it's just like, that is a recipe for disaster, right? The closest thing, last time we had something close to that was Hitler, essentially, trying to rule the world under one government body, right? But then, but the U, but that's what I'm saying. We, we we say that, but the U.S. has been trying to do that for years with the establishment of the U.N. Yeah, yeah. With 
our military bases? Why do we have so many military? Uh, you have to like pose these questions. Like, why yeah. do we have so many military bases all across the world? Oh, it's because there are American thinkers, American people in charge that are imperialists. That yeah. are they want to push their ideas on onto these the world. Other they want yeah. to be the governing body. They, yeah. And that's the thing. There's never going to be a stalemate. There's never going to be like, all right, we've come to an agreement. This is how yeah. things should be run. And it's not going to be good. Like no. you said, I don't think it'll ever be good. But I think the idea, at least leaning on the U.S. side rather than – so in this case, essentially what you're saying is this is Cold War when it was Russia versus the U.S., essentially mm -hmm. capitalism versus mm -hmm. socialism mm -hmm. or communism at the time. At least with the idea with the U.S. is that though you have to stick to their laws – there's a bit more freedom in the changing of powers, at least an idea. Now, if that actually happened, is to be debated. The U.S. put a lot of people in power wrongly that shouldn't have been, right? But at least there they allowed, they set up systems so that there could be multiple parties and things like that, rather than like, okay, you just have one supreme leader and that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. The thing is, for some countries, that was actually the best solution. Like, they had a socialist leader or front runner that was actually going to help the country, Potentially. And we'll never know because the U.S. stepped in and, you know, maybe fucked that up. But it's not good of us Probably to Probably fucked it up. Yeah, definitely. But there's also some scenarios where we'll never know because we never saw it play out. But maybe it saved the country. You know what I mean? Maybe they would have become the next North Korea. You know what I'm saying? True. We fucked a lot of places. Yeah. You look at Venezuela. You look at pretty much all of Central and South America. We fucked them. Mm -hmm. But if you look at Guatemala and you look at North Korea... I'd rather be in Guatemala. Same. And they fucked them, like, for sure. Right? They put in people in power who weren't supposed to be, but it could have become that, and I think that was their fear. But it also could have become a thriving country better than the like, U.S. Remember where we were talking the other day, too, about exploit or be exploited? Yeah. I don't think it was to help the people of Guatemala. I think it was to no, you're right. help the American pocketbooks. And I think America has always been I, very aware of the philosophy of exploit or be exploited. I don't think it's necessarily the pocketbooks, but it's to have people on our side and not thinking against us, literally thinking policy-wise that we're wrong. Or well, I would disagree with you not thinking it's the pocketbooks. I, well, I think what, there's a lot what of What money resources. did they... I, I think it goes beyond what even maybe the Guatemalan government or whatever South American government maybe is even aware of through intelligence or maybe satellites we had, we could be aware. There were uh, so what books that I, I read in college that like from imaging, there were things that were America were aware of, like resources, mm -hmm. like large, large deposits of oil totally. or certain minerals throughout these places that they were like, okay, we need control of that and we need someone in power that is going to yeah. trump the voice of the locals in that area and give us access to that. I think that happens a lot of that times. That happens all the time. It's called uh, it, yeah. these countries on the periphery of this uh, of this graph. If you're on the periphery, if you're a centralized person, you're uh, essentially the exploiter. You are the person mm -hmm. that is tapped into yeah. the knowledge of both resources. This is and how things. it works. And then the periphery countries are the ones that literally just people are put in power from the center and then give the center access to whatever yeah. resources and economic things that they want to in these countries. I, I really think that was the basis of everything. I don't know if it was the basis of everything. It definitely was a big part. Yeah. I think the biggest, the more generalized is they wanted allies on our side who think and function the same way we do mm -hmm. so that we can take from them and trade with them mm -hmm. as much as we want. Mm -hmm. We protect you. And in exchange for that, we get everything we would want. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's the larger thing. I agree. Sometimes it's for the resources, sometimes it's for money. Sometimes it's maybe for 
more it could it doesn't have, I, I think it doesn't have to be money but it's for value i guess is what i was kind of what i mean the price tag is on the area as a whole yeah it's not like oh they literally like they have oil we'll take that oil and sell it it's more just like there's value in having these people on our team or our side yeah. and we'll fuck them if that's what that means pretty much we'll fuck them and we'll convince them to fuck their people too like the well, decisions the, for the, the people, people they are, put in power will then fuck their people. Exactly, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying. F- for the sake of pleasing the mm-hmm. the center. Totally, totally. And I think there probably were some people in there who thought, you know, capitalism in America is really going to save people. They saw what the 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 dangers of communist Russia and the mm-hmm. the downsides mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. and they probably thought they were really doing a great thing. But yeah. I think a lot of people at the top were like, "No, we're just going to do this because this works." But I think the big thing now is we're kind of taking a step back from that at least seems like it um but now it's a there's tons of backlash for that you know people have been asking to get out of afghanistan for 20 years and now it's uh, we fucked it up now afghanistan is fucked which i agree they are so i think it just puts us all in a tough position where we've already fucked up every country Mm -hmm. do we now give up on them and leave them out to dry and say well good luck the rest of the way you guys don't want us to mess with it anymore or do we stay and try to help fix it I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think there's a real solution. It's going to take a lot of... I think it takes a lot of brains and a lot of uh, conversation and yeah. a lot of thinking. It's just we've already shot ourselves in the foot by getting involved everywhere and fucking things up. So now it's like, these are the issues we created. How do we fix them? And there's no winning answer. Whatever we do, we've already fucked things there's up. There's loss. There's yeah. loss anyway. There's loss either way. Definitely. So it's just going to be how do we put that together? But I don't know. Well, neither, man. It's kind of depressing. But I think. I think... What I think the U.S. might do, or maybe I hope, I don't know if I hope or I just think they're going to do it, is they would just stop getting involved and then they're just like, from here on out, we won't. And that would be really bad right now. Mm -hmm. But I would hope eventually that would allow things to fix itself, that these places would be left to find what's really best for them. Yeah. But, like, that's just not how it works as well. You yeah. know, like, you could hope for that to happen, but then, you know, the Taliban become in power or some crazy guerrilla army takes over Guatemala or Venezuela. So, like, I don't know. It's like there's no winning. There's not. We're just in a constant state of putting Band-Aids on things. Um, and for some reason, it's the U.S.'s responsibility now. It's just, like, a weird – it's a weird thing. But, uh, you know, they'll figure it out. Yeah. I hope. I hope so too. I really do. I, I I like to think optimistically for the world. I think I think like you said earlier to to finish with a point that you made earlier. We're smart. We we're in control of what we do, and we have control over whether it's human nature or whatever. Fuck human nature. We have con- I believe yeah. we really have control. We do. Over it. We have mastery over it. So I'm optimistic that enough like and right-minded people will come together and. Figure make something good, out. Make the good decisions. I yeah. think a real big thing that I feel like is, regardless of what we do, I guess politically in a country or something like that, is that we take care of the people. Yeah. Right. If we abandon Afghanistan politically, militarily, yeah, we should allow refugees. We should allow people who want to leave to leave. Yeah. If we're gonna do that, we should accommodate those who want to be somewhere else or don't don't agree with what we're doing. Yeah. And I think that kind of solves things for everyone. Yeah. You know. But that's gonna be hard to do. It's definitely going to be. Woo! But yeah. 
Thanks for tuning into the rabbit hole this week. We've gone down Jesus several Christ. different topics today. Jesus Christ. We yeah. ended quite serious. It started really fun. We went from orgies to global politics. So, you know, Bringing wide range of topics. Cold War policies <laughs> that are still alive today. <laughs> it is. I, it has been on my mind a lot lately, though. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that war or no war question I think is going to stay around for, for yeah. a long time. I will say... Maybe it's starting to fade away now, but we're going to look back in a couple of years about – we essentially had like a second Cold War through the internet Yeah. Um, pretty recently. Stuff with like the hacking of our elections and stuff like that as well. Yeah. We're going to see this next term of yeah. influences from other countries through the internet, through culture. Yeah. It's going to be the new thing. You heard it here first. You'll read it in a textbook in 40 years. That you did. <laughs> that you did. But yeah, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be fun to watch. It's kind of fun to watch history in the making. So. I think so. I think so too. It is, uh, cool. it, 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 and it's like one of those things that, when we are at that point in time in the future, we'll be like, "Damn, dude, that was nuts." I mean, just like adults, like I'm talking. listening to this and be like, "Yeah, man, you were the shit. You knew, <laughs> you knew." And then I'll watch all the other episodes. I'm like, "Man, I didn't know anything." We'll be like the next Simpsons, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wreck of the week: David Attenborough's Light on Earth. Great nature documentary. A little more lighthearted. Shows you some really cool stuff about nature, like we were talking earlier. Um, tune in next week. Make sure you tell a friend about us and check us on yeah. the socials. My rec would be um, if you shoot enough times, you'll hit once. That stands <laughs> for me giving advice on this and also just doing what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Peace. <laughs>